Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, uh, today I have a very, very special guest with me. You may not have heard him, but this guy really is a rock star when it comes to the topic that we are talking about today. Uh, and so I'm really excited. Again, it's a term that you might not have heard before around being a mindful leader. Uh, but whether you've heard about it or not, you need to hear about this because this is the way leadership is going. And for you to be successful in the future, you really have to develop some of these skills around becoming a mindful leader. And so with that, make sure whatever you do, listen to this whole episode, go back, listen to it again. This is one of those that will be an episode you will want to refer back to again and again. And with that, let's roll that episode. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader, and now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader, then of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, you will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So, let's get started. Well, hey, Mark, I am so honored and grateful to have you here today um, with me. You know, I think we, we first met about three years ago, I, I want to say, um, at the Mindful Workplace Summit up there in Northern California, where you're actually at. And um, you've got a book, right? Seven Practices of Mindful Leaders that I've gone through and read. And um, I just wanted to go through and have a conversation about this today. So maybe just, you know, let you introduce yourself a little bit. I know you've You've been teaching this for a long time to some of the biggest companies in the world and top CEOs around the world. So take yep. her away, Mark. Give, give you know your your little background, and then let's get in and start talking about what what this actually means, and sure. we'll see where our conversation goes. Sure. Thanks, Jason, and good to be here. Well, I actually want to, um, you know, at the risk at the risk maybe of. Aiming, aiming too high. I, I always like to start whether it's a, you know, whether it's a conversation like this or a training with, uh, with um, 
setting a really high aspiration. Well, my aspiration is to let's let's change lives. Oh yeah. Let let's change lives. Let's go deep. Let's um, help people to um, think about things in a way maybe that they haven't before. Um, um, let's talk about what's what's most important. You know this this whole topic. Uh, I, I it's funny. It, the, you know, language language has such. Um, you know, language doesn't quite do it. You know, the everything is mindful these days. You know, from mindful mindful cereal to to you know mindful car washing or whatever. <laughs> but but to me, this work is the you know the the human the human work of you know how to how to show up as a full healthy thriving human being and get stuff done and really get stuff done and get the and get stuff done that matters you know like you know this is what an amazing time this is um but i'll just say you know i i i feel so lucky that um uh you know i my own background I got to somehow, uh, I, I wandered into the San Francisco Zen Center when I was um, 22 years old and stayed 10 years and feel like I got, and, and, and got to do amazing things in the work world. Uh, I got to learn, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I learned, I was, I got, I found myself in charge of a, you know, draft horse farming project. And, and then I found myself running running a, a Zen monastery kitchen. And then I found myself as, as director of this, um, this Zen monastery, uh, which was also a kind of a conference center and, and resort. And, um, and, and, and a lot of that I felt like was, was surprising was trainership, training in leadership, was training in, in, in a, but a different kind of leadership. And, and then I went to business school and I spent, then I spent 15 years uh, as CEO of a small publishing company, um, and um, and and shortly after that, I found myself standing up in front of rooms in Google's headquarters of Google engineers, um, where where in some way, I felt like I was getting to learn and integrate and and transmit everything that I had learned, or at least and everything I was trying to learn from the um, you know the deep training in in mindfulness and also you know also training in business and 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 running a running a company um, and and so much of it and I think what you were alluding to I think that um, I think we're in the midst of a major uh, probably worldwide shifting of how we think about work and how we think about leadership you know, that we're going from the, you know, the um, assembly line mentality or the mechanistic mentality to much more of a humanistic mentality. And, and, and especially it's amazing now, in fact, one of the things um, I've, I, I, you know, how much is happening virtual and the, and the, the need for a virtual connection and communication and effectiveness and leadership, which sometimes I think, um, the, you know, mindfulness practice is even more challenging virtually, but sometimes actually it's amazing, I think, how, um, you know, it, it actually helps 
mindfulness practice and the virtual practice, they, they, they go together surprisingly well in that they're all about deep listening and connection and clarity around vision um, and, and effectiveness all kind of mushed, mushed together. So, you know, and, and I also just want to say, here we are, you know, a, a kind of date, maybe this will date this, but I think it's okay to date things as we're coming out of a pandemic. Um, we are, we are experiencing, um, you know, uh, racial issues in the workplace and everywhere. I've been really having a, you know, really fascinated working with teams, worldwide teams of many different uh, ethnic backgrounds and racial backgrounds and financial backgrounds. And that's fascinating. And, you know, and we're, we're waking up that we're going to destroy this freaking planet unless we um, wake up to, from this material, this, this materialistic and I think it was all done with the best of intentions. You know, we've we've created these systems that that have been incredibly successful in creating great comfort to and and solving solving um, you know a lot of uh, me medical problems and financial problems. But we're we're at a I think a really interesting pivotal place right right now. I totally agree with you, and I think it's you know again I mean. The history of leadership, you know, again, we're here in the U.S., so of U.S. business, the productivity, the assembly line, you know, you, you follow up with after the Second World War, a lot of command and control type of leadership. I mean, that's that's what these guys were used to in the military, right? Yeah. And, and it's created a huge, huge increase in productivity, a huge increase in wealth, you know, literally all over the world. Now, some of that's concentrated, but that's a whole separate topic. But, but I think in that, like you said, now people are starting to wake up and it's like, is just making money the only important thing? Is being productive the only important thing? And I think, you know, we, we've been seeing this for a while, rise of depression, you know, rise of, you know, a bunch of workplace stress of other things like this that have been going on. And I think, like you said, the pandemic has actually been an opportunity for people to wake up because they got detached from that for a little while and they start asking themselves these same questions, right? Yeah. Is this is this really all that's important? No, maybe it's important to be a human being and to actually treat the other person across the screen or in my office as a human as well. Yeah, I was just looking this morning at some of the statistics that are coming out about the um, the number of people that that want more flexibility and the power, you know, the how valuable, you know. Again, you know, that's I'd say that's one of the pieces of humanism is we, you know, um, we, we we all want flexibility. You know, it's interesting when I was running, you know, one of the companies that I started and was running was the. Uh, Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, which I uh, I helped develop, you know, develop a mindfulness program inside of Google that became crazy, crazy popular, successful. But what I was just thinking of now was when I, uh, creating this organization, I instituted a um, an open vacation policy, <laughs> and which at the time was somewhat radical, maybe still somewhat radical, but, um, and 
I learned so much from doing that. I mean, one of the things I learned, this is a little bit, a little bit like what you and I were talking about earlier about, you know, being a nice guy, right? So, <laughs> and, and I have to say, we can come back to, I was just reading uh, this um, criticism of the current Google CEO uh, for being a nice guy. And, and there's this still, there's this underlying assumption that you can't be a nice guy and be a, a successful leader. And, and I think that is just, um, such crap. And, um, and, uh, but, you know, when, when I instituted this uh, open vacation policy, I noticed the way in which I didn't quite trust myself and that it started to come up for me. Wait a minute. I'm going to be taken advantage of here if I have this open vacation policy. And, but then the, that led me to, to think that well, if we're going to have an open vacation policy, I'm basically saying, I don't care whether you're here or not. In fact, I don't even care so much about how many hours you're putting in. What I care about is what you're getting done and your product and your productivity and your creativity. And therefore, we need to find much more, um, we need to develop systems and ways of measuring that. And, and and that, and once we kind of moved in that direction, that helped me settle down myself and begin to trust that I could do this and that we could do this. And there were certain people who having an open vacation policy, um, you know, some people took advantage of it and those people found themselves not with the company much longer. Mm -hmm. Most people loved it and, and were there was this incredible sense of uh, appreciation, especially, and, and the more that I could appreciate others and give people that room and make it clear and this alignment around what, uh, what success looks like. That's such that I find myself that that conversation, I, I keep having that today with CEOs, you know, are you having conversations with <coughs> yourself and with the key people that you work with? What does, what does success uh, look like? And, and partly what success looks like for a lot of people is flexibility, you know, I, uh, and, and like, I, 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 I wanted to treat people the way I wanted to be treated. I want to be able to um, get the work done, do more, more than, than what anyone expects of me. And I want to be able to um, have great flexibility in my, in my life so that I can enjoy being with family and enjoy traveling and doing things um, and be, you know, be a full human being. And, um, and part of that is, uh, you know, I love working and a lot of people love working. We, I think we're, many people love getting stuff done and working as a team. Well, they do. And, and it's, it's interesting because as, as, as you were talking there too, you know, it, it, your apprehension, right, of doing this open vacation policy as well because you're like, hold it, I don't know how to measure this, right? Because, because mm -hmm. it's again, it's 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 a different way of looking at business and how do we, right? Because because we keep score in business, mm -hmm. and usually we've kept score with just financial numbers, mm -hmm. right? There's been some stuff, you know, I think starting back in the '80s with balanced scorecarding and some other stuff like that, but we continue to have these these discussions, right? And and just because we don't know 
how to measure it doesn't mean we shouldn't figure it out and start doing it, yeah. right? But I think that's that's one of the things that that holds a lot of leaders back from embracing this because they just don't know. They're not familiar with it, right? Well, and and again, I think this in in this old model, all, all we measure and all that really counts is is financials, and you know I can remember. Um, not that many years ago, I was facilitating a retreat of the leadership team of a, you know, a, a, a big, a big um, legal firm, multi-billion dollar legal firm. And, and one of their big issues was, how do you deal with partners who are bringing in huge amounts of money for the firm, but are horrible emotionally and are <laughs> and, and that you find that people on their team are leaving and nobody, nobody wants to work with them, but they bring in a lot of money. That's a big problem. And I understand, I, I've, I've had, not, not at that scale, but I can remember having those problems. And, and like, it takes, it takes courage and clarity to have those difficult conversations with people that, that um, uh, we have certain certain measurements and certain guidelines for how we work together. And it's not enough, it's not enough, you know, to, um, of course, it's, a, you know, it's, it's great having people that are bringing in a lot of money for the firm, great salespeople or people who are creating products or whatever, but it's equally important that we are working in a way that is a sense of, that's develop, cultivating a sense of uh, caring and, and, you know, this famous, it's the first line in my, in that book, you mentioned seven practices of a mindful leader culture, each strategy for, for breakfast. So yep. um, it may look good in the short term to have a high achiever who's, who's, you know, yelling at people, but it, 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 over, over time, and that time it can be pretty short. It will, it will, um, it'll come back to bite you really big time. Yeah. Well, so I wanted to kind of tee up because again, some, some people may not be familiar with this term. Like you said, there's a lot of people are using the word mindful or mindfulness. Um, but sometimes, you know, a lot of people are still like, what does that even mean? Right. And, and I love your, your background, because like you said, you spent so much time kind of, you know, in the Zen monastery in doing that kind of work. But then you also went back to business school, you were CEO of a few companies, you've been working in the business world for a long time. And you've been able to kind of meld these things together, right? So, so if we kind of, I think everybody kind of understands what leadership is, right? And yeah, there's different kinds of leadership, but what is, what does mindfulness actually really, really mean? And, and how do we kind of translate that into the business world and into leadership? Yeah. It's because a lot of times people think it's like, you know, just people sitting around meditating right. sort of thing. So, but, but it's, it's much more than that. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's much more than we're going to be able to talk about in this one conversation. It's this enormous umbrella, you know, but, but, um, you know, where the term even comes from it, you know, it, it comes from a early, early Buddhist teaching. And um, in fact, a fairly simple, relatively easy read is a, um, a document called the four foundations of mindfulness. And, and I, I believe that's one of the first uses of the, of the word. And 
this was supposedly one of the first teachings of the historical Buddha 2,500 years ago, you know, where he talks about, you know, you know, and I think you could, you know, mindfulness of the body, right? Right. Mindfulness of the body, uh, mindfulness of one's feelings, uh, mindfulness of mind or mindfulness of consciousness. And, and the fourth is mindfulness of patterns or systems. Now, now all of this was originally exposed and taught in the context of how human beings could become more awake, you know, free emotionally, spiritually free. Um, and, but I think what's fascinating to me is, is how well it translates and works in any, it's, it's very much the context of any human activity, whether it's, you know, these practices I think are uh, just as applicable to one's marriage or one's parenting um, or one's leadership life or, or, or anything, right? That it's, it's basically about, um, you know, paying attention, um, but really paying attention and, and paying attention even to how we pay attention. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but I would say within that though, is with a particular attitude, it's with an attitude of deep curiosity and kindness, um, you know, a, a, um, an expression I've been using a lot lately in my work is um, creating cultures of uh, compassionate accountability. Because um, mindfulness is not just about being nice. Um, it's about being real. It's about being clear. It's about being incredibly uh, talented at, you know, at, at, at living and leading. Uh, and um, yeah, so, uh, you know, but I would also say mindfulness, um, some other key pieces of it are um, kind of playing in the realm of ego and egolessness and effort and effortlessness. And, uh, and, and I think um, a kind of, re uh, and one's, one's relationship, I think with, um, with change, with impermanence is also a key, a key part of what I would say as mindfulness practice. So that, um, which means, partly it means not avoiding change um, and not avoiding difficulty, but making oneself as much as you can into someone who has the ability to transform change and difficulty into possibility, which this to me sounds like a great definition of leadership, right? There you go, yeah. Yeah, how do you, uh, how do you on a you know, day-to-day -day basis, how are you solving problems, difficulties at all levels, right? The business problems, human problems, whatever those problems are, and how do you face them with, you know, and, and it means also becoming, um, uh, you know, not shying away from being um, uncomfortable, 
it's uncomfortable facing the, you know, these problems. Um, it's so much easier to pretend they don't exist or get distracted into, um, you know, the day-to-day, day-to-day lives. And, you know, I think though, for anyone listening to this though, you know, I think we're such, you know, our, we, it's easy to get into a survival. If you're in survival mode, if you're, if you, if you're fear, you know, I mean, I know, I know millionaires or billionaires that, that are afraid, you know, they're one day they're going to be out in the gutter homeless. And, and partly that's one of the, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of capitalism, but I'm a fan of capitalism combined with wise government where, where we don't all have to be so afraid that we're not going to be able to survive and that we're, and that, that we're not in this together, that you you know, that it's every, every person for themselves. So it's, it's interesting to find just that, that right blend of, um, of the, the power of entrepreneurship and the power of capitalism, which I think are a beautiful thing, but combined with, with a way that we're, we're all one team here. We're all one human team here. Well, I think one of the, one of the terms that you used there was emotionally free, mm-hmm. right? That again, as, as I've gone down this path myself, right? That a lot of times we get taught that it's everything in our external environment, right? And, and so if we change our external environment, if I buy that new car, if I get that new job and I have that new title, right? Then my life is going to be perfect but we're still kind of strapped to a lot of the suffering that, that we just carry it into the next area. Right. And it's until we actually become more mindful, turn it inside. Cause that's why one of the terms I'm starting to use more is leadership is an inside out game, right? It's an inside game. You, you become a different person by focusing on changing yourself internally, your identity, you know, like you said, becoming more compassionate, more kind, more understanding of the connectivity that we have with everyone else around us, right? Mm-hmm. It's that interdependency yeah. um, that you talk about in your book t- too, you know, about depend, I think depending on others, right, is, is one of those different things as well. And, and, and getting rid of or, or losing this illusion of control that we think we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I love control, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think, I think there's a realness about like, you know, how do we leverage resources and money? You know, that it's not, so it's like, to me, it's, I'm saying yes to what you're saying about, you know, leadership being an inside job, but, but we also, I think need to skillfully how do we work with resources? How do we work with money? What's our, but then there's, the, what's our attitude about, about, you know, do we come at things from, through a lens of scarcity or can we come at things through a, through a lens of what's possible? And, and that if, you know, if we're coming at everything through a lens of scarcity, then that's going to have a certain, a certain outcome. Now that may have a really good outcome. You know, I think, um, 
we can look at a lot of companies that have been very successful. You know, our, our, in fact, our capitalistic system often rewards people who have a, a, come from a view of scarcity and control. It often works really well, at least in some way. It often doesn't work so well in terms of, you know, people's well-being and it often doesn't work so well for, for kind of long-term sustainable success. And we, we've created a system, you know, um, you know, for years and years, we've treated, we've treated resources as though they're infinite. And that's a big one that we're finding out, you know, it's, it's weird that we've, we've created a system where we tax labor, but we don't tax resources. If, if we had only figured that one out, you know, 50 years ago, you know, that, that, that using, using this stuff that we've pulling from this million, million year old, you know, stuff in the ground that we've been able to turn into fossil fuels that, and cutting down trees and, and, and you know, and, and every time we create a plastic bottle that ends up in the ocean, this has, there's tremendous costs. We've ignored all these resource costs. And what you were saying earlier, we've also ignored, you know, the costs around addiction and, and people not sleeping and families breaking up and all, all of that. So, so I think it's having, uh, you know, the, the impossible, the impossible task, but one that to me, you know, we were talking about, well, what's the word what with this word, this funny word practice, you know, <laughs> yep. this funny word practice is, is, you know, knowing ourselves as best we can. And I think that requires being part of a, a system of people that can help us know ourselves. Um, and uh, it's also looking at and, and living and breathing the interdependency of of things and and not being powerless in it it's easy it's easy to say well you know um i well i didn't create these systems what can i do about these systems that's that's the mindset of a victim so the, but if you're asking the question what can i do you know and and what can i do starting with i mean i'm i feel like i'm uh i've just recently woke up right waking up to the racial injustice systems that we're part of and, and seeing, you know, seeing um, uh, my privilege as a, as a white guy. And, um, and then, but asking myself, how can I best can, you know, understand uh, what, what, you know, other, other perspectives and how can I leverage um, the resources and benefits that I have and how can I help other people? Yeah, and because it is, I mean, like you said, we can, we can stay in victimhood, and we can say, well, you know, not my problem, or I can't do anything about it, or we can actually be the leader, yeah, and make some change. Yeah, you know, victimhood is very popular, um, and and it's easy to just like this is when we talk about you know mindfulness practice. What I've noticed, and I've noticed this in myself, that whenever something goes wrong or whenever I'm angry or upset, almost, well, not almost, unconsciously, who's to blame for this? Who can I blame? 
you know, um, and that's an, that, that, and, and that's happening all the time in our workplaces. This is why I think our workplaces get so, you know, so it's like, you know, right. And, and yet, right, when things go wrong, we do want to know who's responsible, right? How, how did this happen? Um, you know, my, my, my first company was a, I mentioned a, a publishing company. I once published a greeting card that said, blame is such a bore. And I would say it's even more than a bore. It's, it's, it's really destructive. It's really destructive, but we, it's very popular. Um, blame and fear and a mindset of survival and scarcity. These are incredible, like, like noticing those in ourselves, noticing how easy it is to uh, fall into those, um, fall into those mindsets. And e even if, even if what you're saying is no, I, ne I never do that. Well, <laughs> you probably do more than you realize. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, one of my practices, one of my practices is when I notice myself doing that, I'm like, oh, wow, Th there I am doing that scarcity mindset thing that I'm always um, suggesting to others that they, that they um, avoid or, or, or watch out for that scarcity mindset. Yeah, well, and so let's, again, for people that aren't, aren't really kind of familiar with this, I mean, what, is, what does it look like to be more mindful, right? Because like you said, so, so sometimes it's maybe noticing, you know, sometimes it's, it's pain, it's other things that we're noticing, and we're actually just becoming more aware and more introspective, kind of as as to what's going on you, you know you re refer in the book to the the beginner's mind which again is is one that i i love that idea of always seeing things from a fresh approach and like you said so so much of the time right we want to play victim we want to point the finger at somebody else but i was always taught when i was little right every time you point your finger at somebody else you got three of them pointing back at you <laughs> right so a lot of times you know, and I've seen this just from coaching people too, right? That a lot of times when they think that there's a problem with another person, it's not a problem with the other person. It's the other person has a problem with the way you're performing, right? And you change yourself, the problem goes away. I, I, I love it. And um, it's, it's very common, you know, where I'll be doing a training in a group situation and, and someone will ask, you know, well, how do I deal with difficult people? Right. Well, we're all difficult people to other people sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, when I was CEO of my last company, some people found me difficult. Um, you know, uh, sometimes I was difficult because I didn't include everyone enough in a decision making. Uh, sometimes I was difficult because I included too many people in decision making. And, and like, so this is, this is, I think, um, uh, you know, I'd say, and again, going back, I, I'm not trying to avoid, you keep coming back to this question. So what is this mindfulness thing? And in, in, in some way it is um, seeing, you know, from a multitude of perspectives and at the same time being confident in ourselves and, and being, you know, having, having a, uh, what I'd say, an, a, an emotional, uh, 
an emotional freedom, an ability to be, to feel, an ability to part. So part of, part of it's not just seeing from a, a variety. You know, it's, again, we we maybe use we use this word empathy, um, mm -hmm. and we use these words compassion, which again, lots of evidence, lots of evidence that empathy. Uh, is a um, a key quality of a of a leader. Actually, seeing what's happening um, with the people we work with, and and perhaps our, with our customers, but also feeling you know feeling it. This kind of there's a heart, there's a heartfulness part to. I almost wish that the word mindfulness was heartfulness, because yeah. I think there there's a. It's not just a, you know. It's, you know, you know I, I often use the expression, you know, it's easy to say, um, well, life is short, you know, life is short. So therefore we should focus on what matters most. Well, that's, that's an ongoing difficult heart practice uh, that, you know, what does it really mean? What does it, what does it really mean that life is short? What does it really mean that, um, uh, that we're not always going to be here, and that you know, I sometimes say if you if you if you have some doubts about impermanence and change, just look in the mirror. You know, it's like uh, it's you know, and and how do we? And that's not meant. It's not meant to be, um, you know, uh, to be burdensome. But it's meant. How do we live with uh, life is short? as a way of uh, developing more emotional freedom and range. Um, mm -hmm. So again, there's, there's, um, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, I think a very much a multi-layered uh, qualities and practices to this one word that we call mindfulness or that we call awareness or, you know, it's so interesting. Um, the, I, these three words are words, you know, these words, uh, mindfulness, um, emotional intelligence yep. and leadership. Uh, to me, there's tremendous overlap, you know, with these three big, big, you know, buckets of of uh, quality of uh, activity. Well, and that's why I was thinking, you know, as we're as we're going here, a couple of the things that you just said, and then maybe kind of come back because this will tie back into our nice guy assumption. You know, as you kind of referenced at the beginning, because I think, you know, again, so many people are taught, well, there's business and there's personal. And it's, you know, you hear sayings like, it's just business. It's not personal, right? In in kind of the way that we sometimes interact with other people or, you know, in the workplace, there's no room for emotions, right? We're, we're just logical in the workplace. But, you know, humans are emotional beings. And so that whole idea of, of emotional intelligence, the authenticity, feeling, showing emotion that has been for so long, just, you know, said, no, you can't do that. If you're a good leader, you've got to be a hard ass, right? You've got to, um, you know, and again, that's that command and control, but, but, but how does it look? And like you said, these are big, big topics, but there's a place for emotion in the workplace and in leadership, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, I think there's, um, I even think that using the, the L word, you know, love, you know, mm -hmm. that I, the, the first two practices in my book are, you know, lo love the work, 
and and do the work so it's like uh loving this work of developing more self-awareness loving the work of caring about people and trusting people you know and, and in some way it's it's funny how we um we've lost it's easy to lose sight of that that business and work is fundamentally ways to serve people that's the whole purpose behind yeah, it right yeah, yeah. we're providing and, goods or services to improve the lives of others yeah i mean it, it, it's a different mindset than how can i increase wealth for myself what can i what can i do now again i understand that mindset and it's not a bad it's not a bad mindset as long as you don't as long as you can integrate that creating wealth creation with serving serving others and and usually those two things are are miraculously um, interconnected. But the other thing that I, I think that, um, you know, I, I was thinking of a, um, a CEO who came to me who um, was really unhappy in his, in his job and wanted to, was looking to make a change and was terrified at leaving his current company and, and didn't know what he wanted to do. And it was so interesting to start with what might it look like for you to enjoy and appreciate your current role? What is it? What is it about your, let's start there. Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to come to a place where you could actually enjoy and appreciate where you are and then leave if you want to leave as opposed to this, this, and that, and that's a very, now that's not to say there there are you know there are toxic workplaces and sometimes we just get to a place where there's a mismatch between you know what we're doing and what we want to be doing but but it's but it's a super interesting question to to dig deeper into you know again what what what's where are the gaps where are the gaps about what what's what is it that is how how does how in this case how did the ceo come to feel so disempowered that he felt like a victim in his own company that he was the CEO of. And, um, and we were able to get in there and look at some of those, um, some of those values and assumptions and behaviors. And, and, and it was very satisfying when um, uh, we were able to shift. Um, partly, he wasn't having, you know, the people who reported to him, he wasn't having real conversations with. He was very unhappy with their attitudes and their, and their productivity. And, and part it's learning to be able to have genuine conversations, to make real requests of other people, uh, to, to define what kind of workplace do we want this to be, you know, and to, to be empowered, whether you're a CEO or whether you're a team member, to use that power of um, envisioning and skillfully working toward the kind of workplaces that we that we want. Well, and it's funny because <clears throat> you know, as you were talking about that, is is another word that comes up a lot when you're talking about mindfulness or some of these things is being present, right? And so again, if we think about, you know, there's the past, there's the present, there's the future, mm -hmm. and you know, I love that the the you know, saying that the present is a gift, right? Present and gift in English, ha ha ha, right? As well, but but just like, you know, you were saying with the CEO, and I've seen this in my own life as well, is 
sometimes in our desire to advance ourselves, to move on, to move up the corporate ladder, whatever it is, we always have this belief that when X happens, then I'll finally be happy. When Y happens, I'll finally whatever, right? But I know in my life, <laughs> it's not the case because you get to the next point and then you, it's like it keeps moving, right? And it's this whole idea of can we not be, be grateful and present to what's currently going on? Because a lot, of the, a lot of the other issues, the anxiety, the fear about the future goes away when we're in that present moment. Although Jason, I would say it's, it's one of my favorite paradoxes is that, so because it's not like we're just, you know, especially as leaders and business people, right? it's not that we just accept what is because we need to work for change. We need to work right. to, you know, to build our teams, to build our companies, to meet goals, uh, to you know, maybe increase our own um, ability to have these difficult conversations or our own courage. So the, to me, the, but it starts with, accepting what is, seeing what is, right? What actually is, how am I showing up? How am I not showing up? What do I enjoy? What don't I enjoy? What, you know, who on my team is working well and who's not? So it's, there is this, this uh, seeing what is, but there's also having a clear vision of where we're going and what we want. And um, uh, and then it's like, then we're always, we're always in that conundrum of we're caught, we're caught in between, but there's, there's some real power in being able to stay with and, and to skillfully move from, you know, where, what is to toward the, the things that we're trying to create, you know, even as simple, you know, like I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on another book and, um, and, and what is, is I'm not really clear I've, about what this, it's, it's, this next book is kind of, you know, this is a creative process. This next book is emerging, um, but I just keep working on it. And I know, I know that um, by staying with the discomfort of not quite knowing what it is and to keep writing and visualizing. And for me, it helps to actually bring other people in. Like sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll send what I'm writing to friends to get feedback or I'll hire an editor um, to make it, you know, which forces me to set deadlines. So uh, it's a funny and beautiful uh, interplay, you know, between the, the what is and, and what we want to be. And I think that's such a, um, key part of being a mindful leader is being able to again and again bring atten attention to, to that. Well, I think it was I think it was something that I read from John Kabat-Zinn, you know, about mindfulness not being judgmental, right? And I know one one phrase that I say to myself all the time to try to avoid some of the judgment of what currently is, right? Because like you said, a lot of times we 
we look at what is and we place some sort of judgment on it. But instead of saying, you know, something like, well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> right. Or just trying to do something, because like you said, this creative process you're going through in the book, right? Um, isn't it interesting how it's unfolding and how it's kind of coming together and you don't know necessarily exactly what it's going to be in the future. And it's the same way with us in life, right? We don't know exactly what is going to come out, but we do the little work. We do the practices, we do the habits, we do the little things each day and slowly we get closer and closer to wherever we're supposed to be, wherever that is. One of the um, sayings I find myself bringing out in, in the business world is be curious, not furious. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. That again, it's, you know, and, you know, anytime we're working with other people or working with an organization, we're, we're going to be let down. We're going to feel annoyed. Things are not always going to go our way. Uh, mistakes are going to happen. And um, so the more we can bring a sense of um, curiosity to, especially I think to uh, things that are, that are difficult. This is a key, I think a, you know, this is I think where a mindful leader, a mindful attitude turns, tends to turn the world upside down. It's a, it's a very subtle, but very different relationship with uh, difficulties and challenges, and even with painful, painful things. So again, making making ourselves into someone who is has the courage and the ability to see see clearly, uh, without without sugarcoating, and to be uh, working toward um, you know emotional freedom and um, and material and material effectiveness. Well, Mark, it's, it's, it's been great talking to you. Like I said, I mean, we could, these are all huge, huge topics, right? That we no, could thanks. talk about for, for a long, long time. But, you know, again, wanted to kind of get some, some stuff out there for people to start thinking about, you know, great. and great it's, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's big stuff. Be curious, not furious. I love that. Um, you know, the whole idea of, it's okay to be a, to be a nice guy as a leader too, right? <laughs> and to be kind and to be compassionate. And a lot of these things that were taught and strong are, and, and strong and fierce and yeah, to be they, they can all go together. Right. In fact, I know a lot of times people are like, Oh, you know, well, that was weak. It's like, are you kidding me to be courageous and to put yourself out there is one of the hardest things to do that takes more courage than going along to get along or not saying anything at all, right? And I think, I think again, as we talked about, you know, people are waking up and I think we're starting to understand this more um, and realize this is, this is where we have to go. Because if we're gonna, you know, become emotionally free and, and remove some of the suffering that we're all feeling as humans, we've got to get more in touch with this and become more humanized in, in what we're, what we're actually doing, right. Get to the heartfulness yeah. um, side of it. So I guess any, any last words for you to, to, you know, kind of sign off and, and to make sure that, uh, you know, the listeners hear before we shut down today. 
No, I think we, I think in some way, um, cover, you know, it's been a great conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think this um, cultivating um, great confidence and great humility. You know, just being a just being a human being is very humbling. Being a leader is can be very very humbling. But also to find a sense of real, uh, real confidence, uh, a confidence in, I think, in for all of us in our ability to, uh, to grow and change and solve real, real problems. Solving real problems, like you said, I think that's really what leadership is all about, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, enough of the superficial stuff on the top. Let's actually get down, dig a little deeper, and um, you know, really help expand people and help people. So Mark, thanks. Thanks for coming on again. You know, he's got seven practices of a mindful leader. Sounds like there's going to be a new book coming out here in a little bit as well too. And I know you do actually have a training course on this as well. So I've read the book. I'm partway through the training course as well. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time today. And like I said, for all the, all the stuff and all the people that you're helping. Great. Every, and thanks every, for the good work you're doing. Jason. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast. And you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, Join the Briefing Leadership Program, where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations. <laughs>